Amen. The Lord bless you. Good to be here this morning. Welcome. You're visiting for the first time. <clears throat> you may have noticed on the screen we have a series coming up in May. Uh, Vanessa and I will be away for a few weeks. I don't like to be away in the spring, kind of everything's getting started back up again, but uh, she's kind of a low person on the totem pole in her new office, so she's got a slim picking, so we have to take what we get, what we're, what we're dealt, and so we'll be away for a couple weeks uh, uh, following this week. Um, and why am I telling you that? Oh, right. Um, and so you'll notice a new series. Uh, Pastor Ben actually gave it the name. We're calling it uh, The Dimming. And uh, we're just talking about the, we're going to take a few weeks, probably three weeks, to uh, talk about what's been a reality in our culture in the West. We've just seen this increasing darkness, probably these last 60 years. And a lot of that is manifest in a lot of brokenness, a lot of dysfunction, dysphoria, uh, just a lot of areas of sexuality. And so we're going to be talking about that uh, during those three weeks. As I said to the first crowd, I'm kind of committing the unpardonable sin for preachers, and I'm starting a series on the long weekend. So uh, some of you may be away. If you are, hopefully you can catch us on YouTube. But if you're here, we're going to start on the May 21st long weekend. And I encourage you to bring a friend. Uh, we have a message of hope and of truth and of freedom. And I believe the Lord's not only going to minister freedom uh, to the body in different ways that we address, but also through us uh, to a culture that very much needs to experience the Lord's love and, and his healing power. So... That begins on the May 21st long weekend. Our scripture this morning is Matthew chapter 9. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 9. Thank you, uh, Pastor Joanna, worshiping this morning. And perhaps we can read these two verses aloud and together. Matthew 29, verses 16 and 17. Let's read this. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Now, in this passage, for those who are familiar with it, the Lord is kind of addressing a number of different things that deal with Israel and so on. But he's also essentially talking about how the old forms of Judaism, the old forms of religion that were there by the time Jesus arrived, that they were not able to contain the spiritual newness, the freshness, the, the life and the energy of the new thing that God was doing. Grace cannot be sown onto religion. And, and essentially what religion is, it's a choice that we make to settle for, as we've said many times, to settle for just a system of belief or to settle for a, a, a Christian lifestyle in our context rather than going after what the Lord offers, which is just this ongoing newness this ongoing refreshing and life that the Lord wants us to experience. We all know that, that Jesus didn't come to introduce a new religion uh, in the sense that he didn't come just to kind of put a patch on an old, brittle religious system. Jesus came to actually give us a brand new life with him. He came to give us a life that was vibrant. And that vibrant life wasn't through just a new list of rules that we follow or a new religion that we observe. It was actually through a relationship with him. Now, spring is one of my favorite times of the year because it's just that season where we've come through the winter and you get all this new stuff starting to grow. If you like garden, for the guys who like taking care of their lawn and stuff like that, uh, it's just that season where we have, we have new things sprouting, new life that's, that's happened around us, all this beauty that we begin to see. And, uh, and much of what we see, of course, builds upon uh, things that we had in the previous seasons. Uh, in the last spring, last summer, we start seeing the garden come alive again. If you know anybody with tulips, you know, you start seeing these tulips bursting through the ground and it starts giving us hope for, for a new season. And so I kind of want to talk along those lines a little bit. And I want to talk in the context of what I would just call caring for the old 
and preparing for the new. The message is called Something Old, Something New. But I want to talk about how important it is for us to to care for the old and at the same time prepare for the new. When I talk about caring for the old, what I mean as followers of Christ, I'm talking about how do we revive those things that our faith is founded on? How do we revive and make alive again those things that we profess to believe? How do we actually live in those truths, grow deeper in those truths so that our faith, our walk with the Lord never gets stale? How do we care for the old? Jesus said in verse 16 that if you sew a patch of unstrung cloth onto an old garment, that cloth is going to eventually shrink, and then it's going to tear that garment. For any of us who have bought jeans, I'm sure we all have what happens. You get home, you wash them, you throw them in the dryer, and they just tend to shrink a little bit, right? It's that same principle. If you have a garment that is old or worn and you want to repair that tear, well, you put a new patch on it, but what you realize is that that new patch is going to shrink, so it's smarter to let that patch kind of shrink already than put it on. If not, you're going to tear it apart. But I want you to notice what Jesus said. He doesn't say if you have an old garment or a tear in an old garment, you just throw it away, right? How many of us have repaired an old garment? You know, something that was really comfortable, something we enjoyed wearing for a long time. Well, it it means something to us. We don't want to throw it away. And I think that's the point that Jesus was making. And then we talk about preparing for the new. And when I talk about preparing for the new, I'm talking about how do we receive the new thing that the Lord is doing or wants to do? How do we care for the old or what we've known and at the same time prepare for the new? In verse 17, Jesus said, if you pour new wine into an old wineskin, the wineskin is going to burst. New wine is poured into new wineskin. And I believe in what Jesus was speaking about was this. How do we keep that old wineskin fresh? How do we keep it from becoming brittle? How do we keep it from, from shrinking? How do we keep it fresh and and supple and and just flexible and responsive so that that wineskin is always able to receive new wine? And I believe the lesson here that Jesus wants us to understand is that the new things that God wants to do in our life is never at the expense of discarding all things old. Aren't you glad, folks? Folks my age, right? They don't just put you out on an ice float. reach a certain age. Got to be from Newfoundland to appreciate that, but, but that doesn't happen. The Lord wants us to understand that's not how it works. And it's a common mistake I think a lot of times we see in Christian circles, that whenever God is doing something new, if we're not careful, we can fall into the trap of labeling anything old as just traditional or maybe legalistic. Or if anybody ever questions something that's going on that's kind of new, if they have some questions like, I don't know if that makes sense or, you know, whatever, then it's easy to dismiss them as just kind of being religious or pharisaical. You hear, you hear that sometimes in the circles. Renewal, I believe, always includes something old and something new. This is what the Lord says in Jeremiah 6. He says, stand where the roads cross and look. Ask where the old way is, where the good way is, and walk in it. Let's say that again. Stop and look and ask, where's the old way? Those old foundations, where's the good way? And how do I walk in that? You see, the old ways are not just old practices. That's what we're talking about. By old ways, we are talking about biblical truth, biblical principles, tried and true truths, revelations that we've experienced as we've walked with the Lord over the years. 
How do we maintain those? How do we grow deeper in those things? Because you see, the reality is, when we understand the old ways, when we understand the foundational things to our faith, and we walk in those realities, grow deeper in them, it is those things that actually guarantee ongoing new life. You see, if not, what happens, if you just tend to kind of go after what's new, or try something new, or go somewhere you hear something's happening, whatever the case may be, what you tend to do is you tend to fizzle. It doesn't tend to last, because it's not really rooted in your walk with the Lord. It's not rooted in something substantial that God is bringing you in, where God is growing you bit by bit, so that when he brings you into that new season, you're ready for it, you can walk in it, you can maximize it, you can minister it. But instead, we kind of become a spectator or it's something we play with or something we dabble in for a while, but it doesn't really remain in our life. And more importantly, it's not something we minister to others. Now, if someone were to ask me, what are the defining characteristics of a believer who actually has a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ? I would boil it down to five basic things that that person knows. And by know, I mean five basic things that they are actually living in. They understand and they are living in. No particular order, but let me just give you these. We can leave them on the screen for a moment. If you just want to take a screenshot just for future consideration, or just say, hey, where do I line up in these things? Number one, you know your identity. You know who you are in God. You know where you stand. You have that confidence. Number two, you know that you have authority over the powers of darkness. You understand the power of prayer. You understand who you are as a daughter or a son of God. You understand the enemy's voice, and you don't converse with him. You confront him, you overthrow him, and you move on in what God is doing in your life. Number three, you understand that confession of sin is what ongoingly cleanses you. And so if you sin, you don't wallow in it, you don't wallow in self-pity, you don't listen to the enemy's lies, you confess your sin, and you continue to walk in the light as Christ is in the light. You continue to walk in freedom. You understand that. Number four, you feed on the Word of God. You understand that God's Word is your daily nourishment for your spirit, and that's a discipline that you have locked in. And number five, you understand how important it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to live in that ongoing fullness of the Holy Spirit's presence and power. I believe these are basic, fundamental, timeless principles that every believer who's going to be fruitful, every believer who's ever going to experience the new wine has to understand how to integrate the old with the new, how to be established in that and yet be open for the new thing the Lord is going to do. Now, when we talk about the old ways, please understand, we're not talking about the good old days, okay? There was a lot of good stuff in the old days. I've been in the church for almost 60 years. A lot of good stuff. But there's also stuff that wasn't so good. Anybody have any fond memories? Yeah, I mean, there were some things over the years that were kind of said and done in God's name, and people are still recovering today, okay? It wasn't all good. It wasn't all spiritual. So we're not talking about just good old days. We talk about the old ways. When God says, ask where the old way is, where the good way is, and walk in it, he's saying, listen, as you stand at the crossroads in times of your life and recognize, okay, this is a season of new growth. There's something God's stirring in my heart. He says, understand that as you stand and reflect on where you are and where it is you want to be, what God is speaking to you about, know this. 
There is no new way. There's no new trick. There's no new system. It's the same old, dependable, proven way that is a fresh way to those who are actually walking in it. They understand there is a path that the righteous walk in. There's a path of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, you can allow that old path to be overrun with weeds. You can let it get old and stale, but that's your choice because the path itself is not old. It is rich. In fact, oftentimes I've found in the years I've been involved in ministry that sometimes people well-meaning, they go off on something. They think they have this new revelation, and then they get to the end. They're burned out and turn around and realize it's just the same beaten down path that others have walked before. It's not about something new, some new revelation. It is understanding that there are new seasons where the Lord is doing something new in that day, in that generation. But I promise you, my friends, it will never depart from the old paths, from the timeless truths. In fact, as you establish yourself in those truths, what are those truths? Those five things I just mentioned to you. When those things are alive and active in your life and you are growing deeper in them, as you're growing deeper, it will guarantee you that you'll never miss what God has for you. You'll always be ready to not only move into that season, but to maximize that season and to go from season to season, from strength to strength. That it's not just fluff. It's not just something you try for a while. Even if God works and you see God do something, you try it for a while, but because you're not rooted, it doesn't stick with you. You don't grow in that. You don't build upon that. It just becomes another thing. Eugene Peterson was the, an author who wrote the uh, paraphrase Bible, the message translation, and he wrote many books. But one was called, it was about revival. It was called a long obedience in the same direction. Don't you love that definition for revival? It's just a long obedience in the same direction. You're just walking in revival. You're walking in newness of life. And that doesn't mean that there aren't special seasons, sovereign seasons. But who gets in on those? It's those who are walking consistently with the Lord. And he says this. He was making a, a commentary of the Western church a number of years ago. But it may still be fitting a little bit today. He says, there is a great market for religious experience. But there is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue. Little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what early generations of Christians called holiness. We go to see a new personality, to hear a new truth, to get a new experience, and so somehow expand our otherwise humdrum lives. I think there's some truth in that. You see, one of the things we see about Jesus is when Jesus came to this world, he actually fulfilled the word of God, didn't he? He fulfilled the law, another name for God's word. He fulfilled the law, right? He didn't abolish it. He didn't do away with it. And I believe one of the reasons why Jesus seemed so radical to the people in Israel in that day and so radical to the religious establishment was simply because Jesus lived the word. He did not allow himself to be shackled with man-made traditions. He did not allow himself to be bogged down or to replace the living word and everything the word contains, everything the word can do. He didn't let that be replaced with just ritual and formality and a lifestyle. You see the difference? Jesus, the Logos, the word of God made flesh, what did he do? His life was completely congruent with the written word of God. Everything he was doing, everything he was manifesting was the heart of God revealed in this word. I am the God who heals you. 
I want to set you free. I want to bring you into a land of promise and purpose and, and fullness, all these different things Jesus came to do. And he came to bring a new covenant, of course. Why? So that not only do we believe in a God who could do those things, but through his cross and his precious blood that washed away our sins, he was able to come and live within us that now God can do that through us. So he brings us into the next place of, of relationship with God. God in us, the hope of glory manifesting the glory of God, the goodness of God. People are able to see like they did in Jesus. What, is, what did the epistles say? We are now living epistles. We are read of all men. As we walk with Jesus, as we allow the word of God to become enfleshed in us, you see, as we replace any religion, any substitution of man-made rules, if we say as we walk with the Lord, I refuse to reduce my faith in Jesus Christ to just a checklist of things I do and don't do. I want a vibrant relationship with Jesus based upon everything he has done for me. Like the old song says, I want him to grow sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. But it's not just through some new thing that I try, some new gift that I decide to operate in. You see, we're not called to manifest the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're called to manifest Jesus. And if we will manifest Jesus, all the gifts will flow from our lives. Anything we need, wherever we find ourselves. You see, we're caring for what is old. We're caring for those foundational truths that brought us to Christ, that we're established in. We're growing deeper in the mystery of Christ. We're growing. Isn't it amazing? I mean, I've been, what, 50 years probably reading the Word of God, and it still blows me away sometimes. I'm reading through the Gospels. I've never seen that before. I've never seen that before. Now, I know I'm not as bright as some of you guys, but I'm just saying, Lord, I've never seen it that way. Wherever it is that you're reading, why? Because you are still walking in the disciplines and the truths, the foundation that's established, but you're peeling away layers, peeling away layers, going deeper and deeper as deep calls on to deep, right? And with that increased depth comes an increased flow of the Holy Spirit's life, greater capacities to, to contain the Lord, to carry him, to minister him. That's what the Lord did when he came and, and manifested the word. He wants the same thing for you and me. Jesus was speaking to his disciples when he said in Matthew 13, some of your Bible translations would say scribe. He says, every teacher, every scribe of the law, old, who has been taught about the kingdom of heaven, new, is like the owner of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. What's he saying? I think what he's saying is that a good teacher is not just somebody who's read the book, you ever been to university or been in a class situation and the teacher's just reading the book? I mean, I've been in university classes and the teacher's notes are, they're colored, they're yellow. They're just so old, nothing fresh, nothing relevant, just the stuff you need to know, but no real application. I remember in grade 10 biology, I had a, a, a four foot 11 teacher, little dynamo, and I'll never forget the very first class. Here we are in grade 10. I mean, how do you make biology really that interesting to a bunch of high school students? And she said something like this. She said, class, I want you to understand that as we go through this course this year, by the time we're done, you will know more than the most brilliant scientists 100 years ago. I thought, wow. Her name was Mrs. Cook. She got me hooked. I didn't understand half the stuff, but I just learned it. And, you know, wow, this is awesome. I'm brilliant. I'm brilliant. Until I went to math. <laughs> then I got perspective. But for biology, it was my favorite course. 
And I wasn't even a science buff. It was my highest mark that year. The Lord's the same way. Something old, something new. He says, if you're a good teacher, if you really want to be an effective follower of Jesus Christ, then you have to be able to communicate the old, unchanging truths of God in a, in a timeless way, a fresh way. Why? Because those same truths are constantly being made new to you and relevant to you and fresh to you. Now, in the scripture, Jesus compares us to a master of our own household. He says, listen, I have placed you in charge of your own destiny, and I have given each of you treasures, but it's entirely up to you how you choose to use what I've given to you. Now, if you're smart, if you're a wise homeowner, you're going to be able to take the things that are new, things that are kind of in style this year, nothing wrong with them, and you're going to know how to incorporate those with the furnishings, the trinkets, whatever it may be, that you've had in your home a long time, but you keep because they're valuable to you. They mean something to you. You don't just throw the old stuff out. I was saying in the first, in the first service that my, my dear daughter-in-law, Amy, has got a great test for, taste for decorating. And I, and I wanted to redo my office because it was kind of old and stale. And I just want to kind of, you know, the minimalist kind of basic, just, you know, fresh and lots of room and so on. And uh, so she brought in all this new stuff, and it looks wonderful. I always get compliments when they come in, but I had to kind of chuckle the first time I saw it because I absolutely loved the design. But it was totally 1960s, right? You know what I'm talking about. That's, that's a style that's back now. I mean, I told her, I said, I love it, but I feel like I should be like, covered in plastic. And she wouldn't understand that, but from our day, you know, that's, you went to your grandparents' place, it was all covered in plastic, right? But you see, you know how to incorporate the new. You understand what's fresh, what's new, what's in style, and you still take some of the things that are still there that are old and are meaningful, and you know how to bring those things together. Friends, every single one of us here this morning, we have old treasure and we have new treasure in our walk with Christ. By old treasure, I mean that we have memories, for example, of our salvation. We can look back and tell stories. We can look back and just remember when we came to Christ and how our life maybe has changed, things we've learned over the years, testimonies we have, miracles we've seen. Those are wonderful things, and they should never change. But friends, we also need to be expecting to have new treasures in our life as well. There needs to be new experiences in the Lord every day that we walk with him. New insights, new revelation, new blessings. We all have old gifts that we received many years ago. But my question to you is, are you using those old gifts in fresh new ways, refreshing ways? Just consider for a moment your walk with Christ this morning. Be honest with yourself. Is it more something you know, or is it something you're living out? Is it more of that head knowledge, or is it experiential? Because it's a relationship. Is it just dead doctrine, right? Or is it alive? I've said it many times, and I hope you understand what I mean by this, but I, as a pastor for many years, I am less concerned about being doctrinally correct than I am about being spiritually alive. Now, one doesn't have to be at the expense of the other. They, they should be combined, the old, the new, caring for that old, but preparing for the new. Whatever I profess to believe, well, I do well. James says, hey, the devil believes, but the difference is he shakes because he really believes. He really knows who God is, 
You see, if we really know who Jesus is, if we really know what our salvation is, if we really know the incredible treasures that we have in Christ, there ought to be, in a sense, this reverent shake that says, oh, God, don't let me mishandle this. Don't let me take this for granted. Don't let me spoil this. Don't let me, don't let me just waste this, Lord. Don't let me come before you one day and stand before you with nothing to show for the incredible treasures, the gifts that you poured within me through my relationship with Christ. Lord, become sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. The gifts that I profess to believe in, Lord, oh God, may I operate in those gifts. We're great as Pentecostal people doctrinally, right? We believe the full gospel. But do we? I think we tend to believe what we walk in. So do I actually walk in that, right? Or do I just say that I believe it? There's a difference. The Lord wants that freshness. He wants to enhance what it is that I profess to believe. One of the gifts that I believe the Lord has given me, not the biggest gift as others may have, but, but just the gift of teaching. Whether you enjoy it or not, I enjoy teaching. Right? You're kind of stuck sitting there, but you know, I just kind of like talking to people. You know, I just, every day I wake up and realize there's somebody who hasn't met me yet. I gotta go find them. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, if you're outgoing, maybe you enjoy talking more. But the fact is, it'd be pretty sad if after some 40 years of ministering God's word, that I'm just preaching the same thing I preached 40 years ago. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't believe what I believed 40 years ago or what I'm preaching today contradicts. But I hope to the Lord that it's a lot deeper than what I was preaching 40 years ago. I hope I have new nuggets, new revelation, additional knowledge of, of what that actually means, what I profess to believe. And I hope that if I'm preaching for another 10 or 20 years, that I'll have new nuggets to add to what I know today. So you see, it's not a matter of being old-fashioned, traditional, whatever. It's a matter of cherishing the foundational truths that I believe. But as I'm growing in the Lord, there ought to be a coming alive of what I profess to believe. I was saying to the folks in the first service, I had the, uh, some people over the house there, and there's others who were involved, but I just had six or seven of us at the house uh, just to get back on track with our Love on Moncton ministry, which is basically believers going in the streets, and we just, we just share about Christ, we pray for the sick, we, we meet needs, and we just basically, as Jesus says, go into the highways and byways and just preach Christ. So, so we go. But what I found so encouraging as I was sitting in that group is realizing, except for me, Pretty much everybody in that group, well, no, I shouldn't say that. Sorry, Marcia's sitting there right in front of me. Um, most of the group are introverts, which is really great for an extrovert because we just get to talk. Um, and we'll listen when they're talking and wait for them to stop so we can talk again. But, so it's nice to have introverts. I'm just teasing, of course. But the point is, I just thought, Lord, bless you. I mean, here are people who in the natural are terrified to go out and talk to strangers. Can I let you know the secret? I am too. I may be talkative, but it's a whole lot more comfortable here. It's a whole lot safer in this environment, right? And when I'm going out in the streets to, to share Christ, every single time, there's kind of like, oh man, I don't know if I want to go tonight. <coughs> you know, thank the Lord you can text. You don't have to call anymore. You don't have to fake it. You can just text, I don't feel well. You know, little sick emoji, you know. I haven't done that. But it's tempting, right? Why? Because what you're doing, what you're ministering, it's not in your flesh. It's got to be God or it's not going to happen. You've got to rely on the Lord. And we all have our own issues in whatever case may be. No one wants rejection, all that kind of stuff. You know the amazing thing? I'm, I know I'm, I'm on a rabbit trail, but I, I'm coming back. The amazing thing is, in the last number of years of just sharing Christ, I've never had one person say no. 
I've never had a person say, no, you can't pray for me. Now, it doesn't mean that it never happens. I'm sure it does, right? But it's amazing how many people are out there that the Lord's already working on. And you bump into somebody and realize, God would have been dealing with this person. And wow, I get to partner with him. But in any case, but what I so appreciate is that the folks who are there, and it doesn't mean that everybody has to do this, but if you want to, hey, come on over, we're having a blast. But, but the fact is, as I look at that circle, these are mature believers. That's what excites me. These are people who've walked with the Lord for a long time. You know what that means? Jesus hasn't gotten stale to them. No, they're falling in love with him over and over again. They want to share him with other people because he's so real to them. And it doesn't mean we're perfect or better than anybody else. But you understand what I'm saying? Statistically in the church, if you read some of the Barner research and others who, who, uh, uh, who do research in, in church statistics, is that most people who lead someone to Christ have been a Christian from anywhere from six months to two years. After that, it just tails off. Very few people are actually led to Christ by somebody who's more than two years in their faith. I think, that doesn't make sense. It should be the opposite, shouldn't it? The longer I walk with the Lord, the more real he is to me, the more he shows me, the more I grow in my knowledge of him, my spiritual authority, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it ought to be normal for mature believers to be leading people to Christ. Let me say it again. No, I'm just kidding. Do you agree with that? Okay, and that's not any condemnation. But friends, I gotta tell you, one of the main reasons I get out there it's just because, Lord, if I don't, I'm gonna sit in my office and sit in the safety of the church. I don't wanna do that. I wanna stretch, I wanna grow. Lord, I, I wanna encounter, really the bottom line is what you know if you just share with friends at the office and so on. Lord, I just want people to encounter your love. I just want them to know you love them. And I know they're not gonna get it here, right? None of you feel loved this morning, right? You all feel condemned and judged and that's what church is supposed to be. No, I'm just kidding. I shouldn't do this. If you're visiting, my wife says, just ignore him. I'll, unless he's behind the pulpit, she says, don't believe a word he says, okay? But you hear my heart this morning. Something old, something new. Whatever newness the Lord has for us, whatever new thing, new gift, new season that we find ourselves in, we will only maximize that if we are given attention to the old, the unchanging, timeless truths relationship, principles that we understand and we walk in in greater authority. Because as we do, it will guarantee that we will walk in new and that that new will be sustained. There was a man in the Bible named Simeon. I gotta wrap up here. He was a man who was living in Jesus' day when Jesus was born, an elderly man in a season of chaos, Roman oppression, dead religion. And if the Bible says of Simeon in Luke chapter two, that the Holy Spirit was upon him. I love that. He was a man who had a living relationship with God, and you know what? God gave him promises. And one of the promises was, you will not die until you see the Savior. And one day when Mary and Joseph were bringing Jesus to the temple to be dedicated, it says of Simeon that the Spirit led Simeon to the temple. What's more, as he held Jesus in his hands, and remember this, he was living in a day not totally unlike us, a day of Roman oppression, a day of, 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 of bondage, of darkness, of every kind of perversion you can think of. And as he holds Jesus, he prophesies and he speaks hope and promise. 
and the glory of God and the goodness of God and the salvation that has come. And he was able to do that because in his heart, he was always being renewed. His heart was responsive to the Holy Spirit. And friends, I promise you, however dark our days get, and they're going to get darker, but however dark they get, you will never miss out on what God has for you if you will keep your spirit sweet. If you will keep your heart responsive to the Holy Spirit, if you will walk with him, if you will go deeper in your faith of what it truly means, these things we talked about a few moments ago, no matter how dead or dry things around you may be, no matter how dark it is, God will always give you words of hope and of promise wherever you go. I've met so many believers over the years who've gone through very difficult things. And I want you to understand, my friends, that you get, you, get, you get to stop falling into the trap of believing that, you know, well, if my situation was just different, or if that person in my life was different, if they would change, then I would be different. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. I've met so many precious believers who are in very difficult things, difficult relationships, difficult struggles, but you know what? There's one common denominator when you hear their testimony that whatever they're going through, they say, they say but you know what? God is good. God's good. God's faithful. And, and they're not living in denial. It's not a mind game. But they are regularly being revitalized by the Holy Spirit. They know what's going on around them, but they also know what God can do. And they keep their eyes on Jesus so they don't miss it when he does it. We need to be that kind of people in these days. And one of my favorite things about spring is just working in the yard. How many enjoy gardening? I'm showing my age. Well, there's some of you are younger. But I just enjoy that. I enjoy getting the yard ready again, getting the garden ready, getting things cleaned up, get some fresh mulch, all that kind of stuff. The Bible says in the Song of Solomon that we are likened to God's garden, a place of communion and solitude, of just fragrance and freshness. And in that garden of your heart, he says he wants to cultivate new things. He wants to grow and deepen the old things. If you do garden or if you don't, you're probably familiar with the term annuals and perennials, right? Annuals are those plants or those flowers that you buy each season. They're new. They only last for that year. But what do you do? You take them and strategically place them throughout your garden. From year to year, you may change color and design or whatever, but the annuals just have a, a way of just beautifying that garden, whatever you have in mind. And in the same way as followers of Christ, Every year, every new season, there's something new that he wants to do in our heart. There's something fresh. There's a fresh fragrance. There's, a, there's something beautiful that he wants to work in us, something he wants to manifest, and he does those things strategically in our lives. But there's also the perennials. The perennials are those old things that have been a part of our life for many, many years. The perennials in your garden are those plants, those low-growing plants oftentimes, but, but they begin to spread in the spring. They begin to flower for a short time through the spring, and they grow a little bit more during that year. But they really are the anchor of your garden. Everything else seems to go around that. And in our faith, I believe it's the same thing. There are old truths. There are old experiences that we've had in the Lord. There are old things that we've testified and witnessed to. And friends, I want to encourage you. When the Lord has done something in your life, when the Lord has done something new, something he wants to establish in your life, we have to learn to lay hold of that and to say, Lord, I'm going to park here for a while. I'm going to learn how to walk in this, to be established in this. I'm not going to let this just be a trend. I'm not going to just let it be something that comes or goes. Friends, we have been so blessed to have some wonderful ministries here at Glad Tidings. 
People that God is using to ignite the church, ignite believers. And you know what? And I'll be the first one to, to admit guilt of this. But it's so easy to attend these things, to be involved in these things, to, to kind of have a special weekend or conference speaker or activating believers or doing ministry, whatever. And it, it, it's wonderful to do that. But then when the person leaves, you know, maybe a couple weeks go by and what happens? The fire just kind of, right? Anybody ever done that? I'm raising both hands right? There are gifts that I know the Lord has called me to, some that I operate in, but there's some that I haven't grown in the way that I know the Lord wants me to grow. I've just kind of let them, you know, fade away a little bit. Why? Well, because we have church, right? We get together, we can have a good service, and, you know, we can see the church grow, and those are not bad things. But I say, Lord, I want to be a living word in the community, Wherever I go, Lord, I want to hear your voice. I want to be a witness in the marketplace. I want to see whatever you do when we come together. I want you to see, I want to see it happen outside these doors. I want people to encounter your love. I want that freshness of just the new things you're doing in this season. I want to lay hold of that and grow in that. And if you are growing in this, and I'll end with this, but if you are growing in the Lord, I believe these are some things that will be characteristic of you, similar to the first list. But just take this down this morning and ask yourself if this is true of you. If you are growing, then you are even more confident today in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You are living in even greater purity in power in the Holy Spirit. You're taking back more and more ground from the enemy. If you are growing in Christ, my friends, I promise you, you will entertain the devil a whole lot less. And you'll say, I know who you are. I know what you're trying to do, and I come against you. Don't have time for you. I'm not messing with this. Or if you see it in somebody else's life, you go after it, and you minister to that. You're also growing in your love for the Lord and for his living word. You're being regularly filled and refreshed in your spirit. And you're dividing, in a gardening term, you're ministering to others those things that you've received so that they can actually get their faith established. They can get the garden in their heart established. See, the Holy Spirit is always calling you and me to greater capacities, greater capabilities, because you cannot remain the same and be renewed at the same time. It doesn't work. Let me say it again. You cannot remain the same and be renewed at the same time. It's one or the other. There has to be a regular openness to the present working of the Holy Spirit if you're ever going to experience new wine. You see, I believe, I could be misreading it, but when I was reading that, those words again this past week, I believe what the Lord was saying is that his desire for you and me is that we never be old wineskins, that we be wineskins, but we never allow ourselves to shrink and dry up and grow brittle so that we can't contain the new things God is doing. Hear me, friends, God's doing new things even now. God has a whole lot of new things coming down the pipe. But he's looking for a people who are saying, Lord, I want to be able to contain what you're doing. And that's why the Lord is stirring things in our hearts now. It may be just around the corner. It may be 10 years. We don't know what the Lord has in store and also where the world is going. But he wants a people who are ready to minister with confidence, who in the midst of the darkness are people who can proclaim hope and promise, who can minister deliverance in a demonized culture. We don't have to be afraid of the devil. 
But we need to be there when the devil's been done with people and they're broken and have nowhere else to turn. They don't need a church service. They need people who are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit who know their gods. And I don't care where you are. If it's in your workplace, if you're walking down the path out for a stroll, you encounter somebody, you can minister freedom wherever you are because you've cared for those precious promises, a living faith that never changes. So that when the new season comes, you say, Lord, I'm ready. I recognize it's you. I'm ready to step into that. I'm ready to minister that because I'm always being revitalized in the presence of the Lord as I walk with him. Something old, something new. Friends, it's never one or the other. Renewal is both. We need to be walking in what the Lord has for us. Thanks for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to get the sermon as soon as it's released. If you have any questions or want to get connected, go to gtmoncton.com. For live streams and other videos, check out the GT Moncton YouTube channel and follow us on social media at GT Moncton to stay up to date on what's going on. God bless.